Hey, spooky friends, and welcome to The Three Twisted Sisters, hosted by Britt. Okay. And Lexi. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing monsters and lore. Now, if you are streaming over on our YouTube channel, which is Three Twisted Sisters Podcast, you will see that we are in costume <laughs> as our specific monsters and lore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I actually woke up like this today, so. Yeah, I had a little bit of a skin treatment, too. Uh, <laughs> mine is actually a... It's based on a real-life mon monster, and her name was Elizabeth Bathory, and she's known as the Blood Countess. Yuck. Yeah. Yucky. I am doing my best to embody a skinwalker, you know? Got the kind of passing on, like, the, what is it, like a Winnedago? <laughs> Winnedago. What is it called? Right. That's right. Okay. When a I... the um RVs. Right. Yes. So I am embodying a skinwalker. How about you, Lexi? I am a vampire. <sighs> nice. There. <laughs> so our monsters so we all three picked specific monsters and are going to tell you guys their tale their history their um background if you will and who would like to go first why don't you lizzie okay <laughs> all righty so like i said my monster is based on a real person, um, the Blood Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Now, this infamous Hungarian countess, whose crimes inspired the story of Dracula, Queen of the Damned, and one of my guilty pleasure mm -hmm. movies, Stay Alive. Um, but let's, let's talk was she. Um, so on August 7th, 1560, Elizabeth Bathory was born at her family's estate in Royal Hungary. Both um, Elizabeth's parents, Baron George Bathory VI and Anne Bathory, came from very prominent and potentially incestuous families. Back then, a lot of the royal um, families would breed <laughs> breed <laughs> would link together to keep their bloodline pure and it's something that we've you know we've heard a lot across um human culture in general i kind of relate to the legend and the lore around elizabeth as kind of like a female version of joffrey from game of thrones Mm. Very much so. So, like I said, she was born into a royal family with very high standing. Um, for instance, on her father's side, one of her uncles was the Vivode of Transylvania, which basically meant he was like the highest reigning official of Transylvania. And on the other was the Prince of Transful Transylvania turned King of Poland. Um and her eldest brother actually became the royal judge of Transylvania. So they have a lot of nobility, a lot of um, wealth, high-ranking society life. Now, growing up as a noble woman um, with extreme wealth and privilege, Elizabeth was incredibly educated and well-spoken for. She actually was fluent in four languages um, Hungarian, Latin, Greek, and German. And as a child, Elizabeth was actually diagnosed with what they called back then um, the falling sickness or modern day epilepsy. Now the course of treatment for this particular disease at the time was to take the blood of a non-epileptic -epilep and rub the blood on the afflicted's lips. Now, 
kind of, in my opinion, sparks a little bit of the legend, the lore, the um, potentially true crimes that she committed later on in her life. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and at this time, it was actually uh, her family's servant's blood that they would use. Um, so it wasn't anybody like within her family. It wasn't like her mother. It was servant blood. Um, and throughout her privileged life, Elizabeth witnessed abuse and, and torturous accounts against the servants and, pe and peasants her family oversaw. Um, back then, there was not any sort of law protecting lower class or, or um, workers, things like that. No sort of protection for them. So um, people high standing really free will when it came to how they treated other people. Um, there, within this story, there are a lot of rumors, a lot of um, witness accounts, things like that, that don't have a, like, um, that, <laughs> I want to say girth. I know you hate that word. I don't know why I always think of that word. It's a great word. They, right? They don't <laughs> have a lot of credible standing. So I will be saying rumor has it and things like that throughout this story. But um, it is rumored that she actually witnessed a common thief in her family's village um, who for punishment was actually sewn within the belly of a horse. And she actually, it is recorded within this rumor that she laughed at the sight of it. So, like I said, kind of like the Joffrey vibe, the incestuous kind of cray-cray vibe. Think of that. Um, uh, question. Yes. So when you say they sewed him into the belly of a horse, like they opened the horse up and they put him in there? Yeah, basically. And then they sewed him back up. Was mm -hmm. he dead already or did he? He was alive, supposedly. And then he died in the belly. Must have, yeah. Ew. What yeah. kind of what kind of punishment is that? Exactly. Ugh. Yeah, that's disturbing. <laughs> yes. So by the age of eleven, Elizabeth was actually betrothed to marry Count Fernay's Natasty. And I apologize for my English pronunciation. I'm gonna count I'm gonna call him Fern through this just to make it a little bit easier. Fern. Um, for political reasons, financial reasons, royal problems, you know, that kind of stuff. Because royalty. Um, now, by the age of 13, it is rumored, another rumor, that she had fallen pregnant with a peasant boy's child. Now, the child itself was supposedly given to another prominent family. Um, and raised away from Elizabeth. But Fern was not very thrilled about this. Um, and the rumor, the kind of whisperings about what happened was that supposedly he castrated the peasant boy in front of Elizabeth and then fed his body to a group of wild dogs. And she witnessed all of this. So after this event, um, rumored event again, um, two years later, they were both married. Um, thanks to the political drive and wealth behind their linking, the two inherited a now historical castle of, sorry for my pronunciation, Sesji, and the 17 villages around it to reign. Um, Fast forward a couple more years, Count Fern became commander of the Hungarian troops, leading war against the Ottoman Empire. While Elizabeth managed the business side of things, for example, villages, as well as family matters. Um, now, the Ottoman, just to give a little bit 
background, the Ottoman Empire waged war against and across Europe, namely Hungary in this story, pillaging, raping, enslaving, and killing any who opposed them. Um, and Elizabeth is actually on record for intervening when several women had fallen prey and were abducted by the Ottoman. While Fernick, um, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Fernick coined the nickname the Black Knight of Hungary for his love of killing the opponent, the other opponents. So the Count actually um, had in incredibly inventive ways of torture and killing of said enemy, only to come home and share those methods and teach them to Elizabeth. Although the exact number of children between the couple um, is unclear with, you know, undocumented miscarriages, stillborns, infant deaths, things like that. But the couple um, had five confirmed children together, three girls and two boys. Fast forward a bit to 1604, Fernick had been suffering from an unknown disease that seemed to have attacked his legs, leaving him permanently disabled um, ah. until his death. Um, remember this. Remember this name. He left the care and protection of his widow and heirs to Gorgi Thurzo. <laughs> Gorgi Thurzo. <laughs> so sorry about that pronunciation. Let me double check that it's... I can't believe you don't know how to speak Hungarian, Brittany. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. I, in my head, I see Georgie, but that's definitely not it. So Georgie actually was, was left to care, look after Elizabeth and their five children when the count passed. Um, at this time, rumors and accusations had increased about this mysterious countess. As I said before, throughout her life, she was witness to a lot of barbaric treatments and partook in many herself. But due to her high standing in nobility, many villagers and semi-high-class women were eager to either work for the countess um, with the promise of larger salaries, higher wages, a little bit more of a bump in their social standing. Many noble women um, below her class rank, I guess I would say, um, were actually sent to her for proper training in her gymnasium. Um, unfortunately, hundreds of teenage girls were happened to die in her care. Suspicions were growing, odd markings or disfigurements were found and discovered on the bodies of the deceased girls, and family members of the missing or dead were beginning to gain notice from officials. So as I said, accusations were definitely increasing, but these crimes and rumors and things like that had already been swirling around the Countess for several years. Um, so let's back up to when Fernek was away at war doing his Black Knight of Hungary stuff. Um, Elizabeth, it is reported that Elizabeth met a sadistic woman, a witch named Anna Dervulia, who apparently introduced her to a more sadistic, satanic ritual. Um, including the thought of bathing in virgin blood for prolonged youth and vibrancy, coining the name the Blood Countess. Now, what's interesting about this is throughout all of the accusations, all of the witness testimony, there actually was not um, one word or one claim that she had actually bathed in um blood of her victims this rumor this um legend actually came to fruition about a hundred years after her passing so keep that in mind Alrighty. so not only was elizabeth fond of torture um and she had witnessed so much 
barbaric treatment throughout her life and inflicted some herself. Um, reportedly, she would strip down servant girls, cover them in honey, only to leave them outside for bugs and vermin to devour. Now, this reportedly, rumor has it, she learned this particular torture method from her husband. She also enjoyed stripping down servant girls and putting them outside, um, watching them freeze to death during the cold winter months, and not to mention her gymnasium for training these noble women who would go to her to learn the ways of society was actually multiple rooms torture chamber. Multiple rooms with plenty of sadistic devices for the time. Um, it is reported later by one of her servant sidekicks because she had four who worked with her primarily um, that she would, she, I'm going to go ahead and list the um, accusations of her torture and her crimes. So it is reported that she would starve the girls that she would cut her victims with knives, shears, thin razors, or pins, um, that she would bite off pieces of their flesh, that she would burn her victims, small parts on their bodies, or their, especially their genitals, I mean. Um, basically full mut mutilation and disfigurement. And of course, the rumor that she, um, bathed in their blood. So pretty much any diabolical punishment or nightmarish torture device was access that was accessible back then, she most likely used with those chambers. Um, now, regardless of how many um, young girls, and I'm saying like teenage girls, were disappearing from local villages, like I said, she oversaw 14 of them. Um, and these these teen girls were, like, the numbers were astounding to how many that were had gone missing. Um, but the tipping point for her downfall and what really alerted authorities and actually the king of Transylvania himself um, was when a young noblewoman mysteriously died under her care. Now, Elizabeth told the family that the girl had simply committed suicide. A, a lie, I would say, um, absolutely, because it was extremely sketchy circumstances, to say the least. Um, now we're going to go back to Mr. Yorgi. Thurzo, the man who the Black Knight of Hungary entrusted his wife and children to, um, heard of these accusations and after gathering enough um, testimony from, from local villages, from the noble families who sent their daughters to her, after you know, collecting all of this quote-unquote evidence, he arrived at Elizabeth's castle um, in 1610, and supposedly he could hear screams from her chambers underneath the castle, um, and he found two to three, the numbers are a little, some sources said two, others said three, so I'm going to say two or three. Um, unfortunate victims of the Countess, the body of a deceased teenage girl, and one or two um, wounded but alive victims within her torture chambers. Trying to keep the allegations and the, these findings very hush-hush because she was one of the, she was one of the most powerful women in Hungary at this time. Um, she was placed on house arrest awaiting trial and four, like I said, her four loyal servants, um, or her accomplices, were arrested. 
and during this time, all, I mean, everybody within the castle was interrogated, but these four were heavily interrogated. Um, you, you could say under duress because they were themselves tortured for answers. Um, one loyal servant provided authorities with a handwritten ledger um, that was in Elizabeth's handwriting and from one of her own personal books that listed over at listed 650 names claiming that those that was her number of victims now if this were true if she really did um, torture mutilate completely obliterate 650 um, teenage girls around her area she is would be known as the most prolific serial killer in you know the human race as of now because that is just those numbers are incredibly high um now back to her servants all of them were actually charged um and it is for the amount of torture, for the amount of accusations, um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what is true and what is legend, what is true and what is something you say out of desperation to get a certain level of interrogation to stop, you know, all that kind of thing. Not to mention the fact that she was. Um, such a highly ranking woman and the fact that she was extremely powerful, those all kind of come into play. Now, unfortunately, two of her favorite servants, basically her right and left hand, if you will, um, the, <laughs> their actual punishment, um, was having each of their fingers ripped off with searing hot pokers, and then they were burned at the stake. Now, two others suffered beheadings, but their bodies were then burned at the same stake. Um, and her final servant, she did have a fifth one lingering around, um, was given a life sentence, but she herself was a tortured girl turned torturer. So it is said that the courts kind of saw her as more of like a victim that she didn't, she couldn't really comprehend what she was doing. Interesting. But um, Elizabeth herself actually avoided all of those brutal deaths, all of the um, torturous interrogations and they actually, the courts actually declared her insane and sentenced her to a life um, in solitary confinement within a wing of her castle. So within her castle, she lived the rest of her days there until August 20th, 1614, four years after she was arrested and tried, um, where she actually died. It is reported that the day before she died, she called out to one of her guards that her hands were feeling very cold. And this guard, you know, said, Countess, just return to bed. You're fine. Well, she was found dead the next day. Bummer. Um, her body was buried in an unknown spot. There are talks about her being buried within one of the village's cemeteries and the villagers having a whole uprising because they're like, how could you bury this sadistic woman within our cemetery? So unfortunately, the uh, her remains and her final burial spot are very, it's unknown. Um, now, although her reign of terror and life in general was something out of the darkest horror story, there are some historians who argue her accusations were politically thrived. In Hungary, like I said, she was a very prominent, strong woman for her time with a lot of power at her fingertips. Regardless of whether 
she was um, a target for a much larger game. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think the thing, I think it is like if it was like politically driven, did Hungary collapse? Did Transylvania collapse? So what's interesting is the, her, two of her daughter's husbands were also, I mean, everybody within this family has got power out the fucking yin yang. But um, they actually, it's rumored, again, another rumor, that they were after the the power and the reigning ability that she had. So when she passed, or, or when she was actually convicted, those separation of power happened and financial gain for others absolutely happened. So it's, it's interesting because we don't actually know the truth, whether or not she was this horrific, um, most prolific serial killer, sadistic, torturous, awful woman, whether or not she was actually that or if she was more or less set up. But um, she was not innocent herself. She absolutely, there are many counts and reports, reportings of how she treated her servants and how she treated um, the workers within her castle. And the fact that so many young women mysteriously died under her care I, it's kind of a toss-up for me personally. Maybe the bathing in blood situation. I could see that it it could potentially tie to the epileptic treatment she received as a child. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Huh? That's so crazy that that's what they use for epilepsy. Yes, there's. Oh, also, I also read that they um they would provide a mixture of blood and a piece of skull. Ew. For what? Like, did I, it even help? No, because we don't use that method anymore. No, I know we don't, but, like, if if it was her treatment and then she continually, continually did it with these, like, 650 teenage girls... Was it like effective for her? I wonder. No, you I know? think she just got addicted to like wanting blood and the power of taking blood. Yes. Yeah. And inflicting pain. Um, I did relate her to her legend, her lore, the lore around her gives me a, a very much like um, Joffrey vibes in the fact that he, in the, in the show, in the books, he got a thrill from inflicting pain and I mm. I could totally see it both sides I could see it as oh my gosh this woman has such high power for her you know like uh, who her husband was who she was as a person could have easily been um witch hunt-esque for sure but I think the fact that she had chambers within her castle that that's a little yeah and i feel like um they if they were to like search her castle and go in the chambers and there was no torture device at all then i would feel like that would kind of drop the charges i feel like if they're trying to say it could possibly have been politically driven maybe some of the rumors but they wouldn't have killed four or did they kill all five they killed four of them. Four, and then they left the other one alive for, for life in prison. So I don't think they would have killed all four if they didn't find some kind of proof. Like, they, I don't think they would have killed them just off of a rumor, you know? Right. There has to be some kind of truth to that horrific story. I know. I know it. And it's, it's something when I had first heard about her, I was like, Teen, like early teens getting into um like horror movies and things like that and it it was ter like the thought of a woman who um would literally string up chain someone up string them up and you inflict the amount of pain 
that she supposedly did. It just, it's straight out of a horror story, you know? Yeah. So that is Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. Oh, yuck. Well, Brittany, thank you for sharing that very disturbing story. You're welcome. Miss Elizabeth. Um, Freaking insane. My story today, my monster or lore or legend is the Skinwalker. Now, there's a lot of different um, interpretations on a skinwalker, but originally it came from the Navajo Indians in America, um, and they have a name for it, and it's, I am so sorry if I pronounce it wrong, but it's the Yi Nadlushi. So that translates to with it, very roughly, it translates to with it, he goes on all fours. So the Navajo... <laughs> We all know <laughs> we all know Navajo. that the Navajo <laughs> have been in America far longer than anyone else. Well, all of the Native Americans, but they've been here longer than anyone else. So their tribes know this land better and also know the creatures that are on this land better than any other culture. So that's kind of something that a lot of people want to scream out and be like, listen to them they're warning you they're telling you the truth you know this legend is real and quite a few people have seen it so let's get into it skinwalker what is a skinwalker is it a shapeshifter a werewolf an alien we don't really know but it is said that it is something that walks on all fours a man that walks on all fours so the whole idea of it came from a couple different sources I read about said that it either came from um, like witches, male and female and children witches that uh, like dilly dallied in more darker sources of magic, so to say, um, were able to transform themselves into animals at any given time. It's not like a werewolf where it needs to be under a full moon. It's nothing like that. That they can transform at any time, back and forth, with no problem. Um, a lot of people were relating it to the Owl Witch. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's like La Lachula or something like that. But she's the Owl Witch who transforms into an owl-like creature and steals children in the middle of the night. Really? So, yeah, so, but a traditional skinwalker through the Navajo um, tribe is known as, excuse me, is known as a, sh a shapeshifter. So it's either the witch that transforms, it's a werewolf, some type of creature that is human and animal. Okay, so there's a lot of different legends that go along with it. You... You're not supposed to speak about it. You're not supposed to um, try and go and look for it because that speaking about it even brings it, its energy closer to you. Oh, so a lot of it's very, it's actually very hard to get any kind of information from the Navajos about what this creature actually is because they not only will not talk to outsiders about it, but they don't want to talk about it because that. That makes them think that it's coming towards them more, which completely makes sense. I don't know why I'm talking about it, but here we are. Yeah, it's kind of gotten a lot of um, a lot more hype lately in the last few years um, with different different paranormal teams going to Skinwalker Ranch, which I'll talk about a little bit in Utah. Um, it's a very prominent area where Skinwalkers have been sighted. So it's been talked about a little bit more recently, but you should not talk about them and you should not go and look for them. That is, those are like number ones. Um, didn't, didn't you guys see one? Well, hang on, hang sorry. on, hang on. Sorry, sorry. And you just take a pause there, little Missy. So <laughs> some of the characteristics of these um, creatures are, 
animalistic looking creatures, wolf-like looking creatures. So you could mistake it as a werewolf or like in Harry Potter, JK Rowling had kind of derived a little bit of a skinwalker to create um, the teacher that would be able to transform, you know, into the werewolf. So you can do a full transformation, Sirius Black, how he can transform completely. Um, but these animals, they have their human instinct and their animalistic instincts whether they're in human form or animal form. So that means that as humans, they can take on these different identities or these um, abilities from the animal side. So they have ungodly fast speed where they can run like 200 miles and not, not get worn out. Their stamina is crazy. And when they're in animal form, they can move around as humans so that's kind of what's most eerie about them they also have glowing yellow eyes some say glowing red eyes but um where i got most of my sources from was from different um blogs from actual navajos and they were saying that they're distinctly yellow eyes that are glowing um there is really no way of stopping them but some suggest that bullets will work, although a lot of stories I was reading said that they shot at them and it had no effect on them at all. And then other stories said that if you if you dip a knife in white ash, then you can stab them and then they can die. So those are different, different possibilities, but the reigning kind of idea of it is that they are completely impossible to kill. Not only will you never catch one, but you will never kill one. Okay. So Beach. yeah, it's uh they're pretty creepy. So Skinwalker Ranch, I want to talk about that a little bit. It's gone through quite a few different owners. It's a ranch in Utah and this family in the nineties bought this ranch and they had their cattle on it. They were living on it. And very soon after they started living on it, they noticed that a lot of their cattle were becoming mutilated um just like almost like they were ripped open and just drained of everything and just their carcass was left there um now they they were like what is happening to our animals this is like multiple cattle it's not just like one cow or anything like that and the interesting thing was that a site like this should have had blood everywhere it should have been a complete massacre site and there is not a drop of blood anywhere just completely mutilated cows all over the ranch. Um, so the ranch owner at the time ended up going out and he wants to try to figure out what the heck is doing this to his cows. And that is where he sees what he has stated as a skinwalker, that it was um, a wolf or a deer-like creature that ended up standing up on his back legs and watching him, waiting for him to go away. And the one thing that he could distinctly see was the glow of his yellow eyes, watching him back. And as he approached him, it, it he was getting like an unnerving feeling and he shot multiple times at him, hitting the creature and it had no effect on him. So of course he like freaks out, takes off, him and his wife pack up and they move, they sell the ranch to another person. Um, the US government has done extensive research on skinwalker ranch and they're currently doing a show you guys may have heard of it and it is called skinwalker ranch so there they are trying to figure out what the heck these creatures are because even after that first family left other the other family that moved in had cattle also and the same things are happening so these mutilations keep happening to the animals on the uh, on the island on the ranch and there's no explanation for it at all. There's no tracks that are left. There is nothing. So it is completely unexplainable. Um, now, this has prompted different paranormal people to think maybe it is more of an alien-like creature and not um, not of this world. Or that they have interdimensional travel abilities um, because of how quickly they can disappear out of sight. Yuck. And uh, if you guys watch Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, we're like kind of obsessed with it. And it is very interesting. Some of the things that they're able to to see their equipment do. It's just it's wild. Like 
they they have triangulated this triangle in the sky and they keep trying to shoot stuff into it to try to figure out is this a portal to another dimension and then their rockets will go up and right before they hit it they malfunction shoot off somewhere else or they burst into flames before they hit it and they've also been able to see anomalies in the sky go towards the triangle and then disappear right right behind it or right in it and it's open sky it's like nothing's there okay so that's a little bit about skinwalker ranch you guys if you haven't seen the show you should watch it because it's pretty amazing and i've got my vampire next to me to attest to that um i do want to read a story about a sighting so i will link the the article down in our bio um or like the bio of the video or whatever because it has 12 different encounters of skinwalkers, 12 different stories, and they're all equally like eerie and creepy and weird. And they all describe very similar creatures. So it's very interesting. But I wanted to read number four on the article, which is they ran away on their back legs. Okay. It starts. So this happened about 12 years ago. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter, I was home for Christmas taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. As I was home by myself, way late in the night, I hear all of our cows freaking out. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in our area, so I throw on some boots, grab a shotgun, load it up, and head out to the field. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon, and it was breaking through the clouds just right to light up all the snow. Ew. I ran out into the middle of the field, and just in time, I see two dogs. They were standing up, facing each other, and fighting. I think, perfect, two for one. So I pump a shell into the chamber of Mr. 12 Gauge, and then it happened. The two dogs heard the rack, and they both stopped, looked over at me, and ran away on their back legs. Immediately, I froze, and every ghost story about skinwalkers and all the other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. Keep in mind, I am a white guy, and up until then, these were all just boogeyman stories the native kids like to tell to scare us. That night, they became very real to me. Wow. Yeah. A lot of people see that they that they see them running on their two legs. Other people see them um, crouched in trees. So there's one story of a man talking about how he goes out to his field because of the similar situation. He hears his cows freaking out. He thinks it might be a coyote trying to get his cows. So he goes out there, shotgun in hand or handgun. I don't know for sure, but a gun in hand. And he sees uh, he sees this big tree, you know, and he goes up to it and he's seeing some kind of outlines of multiple creatures in this tree. And he can't really see because it's late at night. But all that he can distinctly see is glowing of multiple sets of yellow eyes staring at him. And he freaks out. He shoots at the tree and they like fly away or jump away or dissipate somehow. Um, And then they take off running again on their back legs. So what Brittany was saying was, didn't I see one? I don't know. For ever since I saw, had this instance, and I've talked about it before in the UFO episode, I have been wholeheartedly, fully believing that I saw an alien. But with more research, and I think I said it in the UFO episode as well, I don't know if it was an alien or if it was, in fact, a skinwalker. So at this time, I lived, this time I lived in Southern California. I was at my mother's house, and I... Me and my mom are walking up the stairs and we, there's two large windows at the top of the stairs that look out over a construction site. And we both stopped dead in our tracks, staring out the windows. And we see this creature running on its hind legs right across the construction site. And then it just vanished right in front of us. And we were just stunned there for a second. And we looked at each other and we're like, did you just see that? What the heck was that? Oh my gosh, that was insane. And the only way that I can describe it is a... It looked like a kangaroo on its hind legs, like all the way straight up, but incredibly tall, like seven, eight feet tall kangaroo looking creature with the face of a dog. And it was running faster than I have ever seen anything run in my entire life. I mean, it got from this point of the construction site to this one in seconds. I mean, it was insane. And the interesting thing was that the color of it was 
um, the same color as the dirt of the construction site. Uh, so in my head, my head, I was like, oh, okay, this is an alien because there's like a lot of space, space, um, space stuff that happens in that area in Southern California. So I was like, oh my gosh, this has to be an alien. That ship is parked out in the middle of these mountains where no one lives. And it was in town using like a cloaking device. And then its cloaking device was malfunctioning and it was headed back to its ship. And it, we were able to see it just for that split second. And then it like must have clicked something and it was able to cloak itself again and then just disappeared. I mean, out of nowhere. So then, of course, me and my boyfriend at the time were like, because he was right behind us on the stairs. We were like, we have to go see this creature. So we take up to the construction site like a bunch of psychos and we are looking <laughs> around everywhere for this creature. Any sign of it tracks um, broken twigs. I mean, we were looking everywhere exactly where it was. And there was no sign of anything, no sign of any human, creature, or animal, nothing. And I will say that this was a very early Sunday morning, not very early, maybe like nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. There were no construction workers. This part of the neighborhood had not been built yet. So there were no neighbors that were living around there. It was completely desolate and there was no sign of any creature. I don't know what it was, but it was the single one of the single-handedly coolest things that I've ever experienced. And I'm really glad that I had two witnesses that saw it as well. Because then I know I'm not crazy. Ugh. Yeah. And that is the, the little bit of legend of skinwalkers. What are they? Are they only native to America? Or are they everywhere? Are they interdimensional? Can they go from dimension to dimension? Are they werewolves? Aliens? Other un nameable creatures we don't know but it is are super those, cool are they technically like um the creatures you you see um one of my favorite guys on tiktok he does a lot of like funny um native stuff and it quote-unquote and he um when he says like i brought my white friends over and they saw the dog your dog is standing up on two legs. Yes. Yeah. Like, things like that. Or um, he he says, like, whenever I bring my white friends over at nighttime and they start whistling or things like that. Or um, they, like, mimic humans. Yeah. It's the same kind of yeah, creature. Yeah, and that, that goes back to their ability to have their human or animalistic characteristics in either version of their shape-shifting. Um, that's what comes back to the older legend that says they are not of not this world. They are actually some type of witch, human witches that are able to shape-shift into that. But the, the type of witchcraft that it is in the Navajo uh, culture is absolutely not allowed to be spoken to any outsider. So there is zero reporting on it at all. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever going to break that rule, but it is, it's very like, it's unallowed to be spoken about outside of the, the culture at all. So um, no one knows outside of the Navajo tribe, no one knows um, what these creatures actually are and, and if they are human. But they do have that capability, supposedly, to have their humanistic characteristics in their animal form as walking on two legs and speaking as well. Yikes. Wild! Yeah, I don't, I don't like that those, um, whether they are legends or, you know, I, I totally believe that they could be real. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, I... I believe that if that's what I saw, it was 100% real. Um, and and I wholeheartedly believe it. And it does give me like the heebie-jeebies to even be talking about them right now. But, um, you know, I'm doing it as an educational thing. And I'm doing it with the most respect to all uh, scary creatures. Skinwalkers are like cracking their fingers. Yeah, they're bitch. like, yeah. <laughs> Come outside tonight and bring your trash cans in. We'll see what's up. So, Ew. 
it's very it's very cool though oh there's this one really creepy uh story i read where this guy and their dad are driving down a street and it's the middle of the night and they see an older woman on the side of the road and they pull over and they're asking her if they need help and she like transforms and takes off running on the two legs yikes yeah i was like goodbye yeah pretty Goodbye. crazy yeah it makes me want to stay out of the wood the woods, the woods. stay out of the woods yeah or the it's, desert especially mm-hmm. in the, at nighttime yeah it's mostly on the southwest coast of america but again utah is not very south so um i would say anywhere in the west coast and maybe even anywhere at all yeah. they've been here for a while so who knows where they can go but that is skinwalkers. So my monster is Dracula. And Bram Stoker was the one who wrote a novel about Dracula. And his inspiration came from Irish folk stories, more particularly like horror stories. <laughs> um, and he got a lot of his ideas from different cultures because they there's multiple talks and beliefs about vampires in different cultures and each one has their own way of like how to keep them away from you and how to just go about not having them in your life in the 1800s in the greece in greece they were said to think that like redheads were like the ones that were vampires so they were seeked after to like be murdered so that <laughs> so that like they don't get attacked by vampires Fucking gingers can never catch a break. Forever. Jesus. And then um, other signs of like vamp- vampires. Um, there was like this disease called um, porphyrium. And essentially when you have this disease, you're like very pale skin and your gums are like very high up. So it makes your teeth seem so much longer. And mm-hmm. obviously like they can't really be in the sunlight too often because their skin is so pale so like they could get like extreme sunburn essentially so they're most commonly seen at nighttime which kind of gives them like that vampire aspect and at the time way back when anemia was treated by drinking like animal blood so like that was also like maybe they're vampires instead of like they're sick type of thing okay (laughs) so before he even, like, wrote about Dracula or anything, he did, like, tons of research, Stoker. And he actually based his novel from a real person. And his name was Dracula, Prince Vlad III from Wallachia. I feel like I said that wrong. But, but he was a prince, and he is, like, considered a hero in Romania. But his nickname was Vlad the Impaler because he was, like, ruthless. Like, he just, like, went after people and, like, just was gunning for blood. Yikes. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of creepy. But, like, that's who he based his story off of. And um, Irish folklords have a lot of vampires in them. And there's these, they called them fairies at the time who were very like dependent on either animal or human blood to survive and like they live in this um almost like a parallel world but they have access to come into our world when they like need their like fuel of blood (laughs) it's like so like that could be a vampire as well if that makes sense are they like little fairies or like human sized? i don't know wonder that sounds really interesting Mm -hmm. sounds really scary yeah but stoker wasn't like the first irish person to write about a vampire the first person was actually um sharinda lifon i feel like i said that super wrong but he wrote a novel about camilla who was a vampire as well And, like, it's just funny that both from, like, an Irish culture wrote about a vampire existing and, like, coming to, like, real life. 
when they all have like these very common folklores and stories about like these creatures or animals eating humans for like their way of living like how we can't live without food or water like they need blood to survive Oof. what's always like baffled me is the amount of different cultures all over the world that have pictures or stories about vampires and not just like oh the stereotypical dracula he wants to suck your blood yeah but like actual people that live in the towns that or the areas that all these different cultures are from where they know specifically these people will come out at night and drink your blood if you're out like that's like what's crazy to me new orleans is like um in america anyway it's known as like the vampire city yeah Oof. but they uh i know one specific i don't know which where exactly this was but when they would bury their dead if they were assumed to be like vampire or coming that they had a fear that they would come back to life they would stake them like dead body staked staked like staked <laughs> them that is crazy mm -hmm. i don't think i mean i don't want to be buried i would prefer to be cremated but i don't think that if I die, I want a stake in my body. Yeah. I just, I don't think that would be what, how I would want to go. I think if I became a vicious yeah, vampire and only lived and breathed for blood, go ahead and stake me. I think I probably would deserve it at that point. But, um, <laughs> like Brendan Fraser and the mummy, don't we, don't put me down for mummification. Don't put me down uh -oh. vampire staking, please. Yeah, seriously. Unless part of the vampire ritual is that you're going to line my casket with garlic bread and pasta. And <laughs> <laughs> then I would gladly take those offerings to the other side. But a stake in my chest, I'm good. That's horrible. Yeah. So I wonder... So he impaled. I wonder if that's where... Um. He got the, Brom got the idea for, like, a stake in the heart, or if that was, like, legend throughout different cultures of how to kill them. That's that's yeah, an interesting that's point. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because Twilight, you have to rip all their limbs off and burn them. So where the hell did that come from? I mean. It's Twilight. Whatever that. Where did Twilight come from? Literally. Wherever that, whatever. I can't think of her name. That Definitely chick. Myers. Ugh, yeah. Wherever she even got the story from at all, she obviously didn't research much about vampires. Right. Um, it was interesting when you were talking about the the white ash and like dipping it in for the specific weapon. Speaking of vampire stuff in vampire diaries. <laughs> that Great, <show>. sources. <laughs> Great sources. Great sources. Super, super well thought, educated, whatever. Um, anyway, there's like a certain, like the original vampires, like the first ever vampires. The only way to kill them, like a normal steak will not kill them. You have to have a specific dagger, I believe it is, or the white oak, white oak steak, white oak ash. Anyway, something to do with white ash penetrating their body that that is a way to kill them weird yeah hmm. very weird interesting could you imagine like fighting a vampire or or like a skinwalker or something and you grab like a stake like a regular wooden stake and you just drive it through them and you're like ah and then they don't explode like, or die yeah they're like like, ah, uh, ow. Yeah. I needed a good stretch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, nice try, kiddo. Your turn. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> what they would do. But I love, I love the uh, vampire stories. I think they're like, they're so cool to me. Like, Interview with the Vampire, The Lost Boys. Um, What's that funny one? 
that uh, the one the one you guys saw yeah that was so funny i love that one in um, the shadows or something like yeah. that. yeah it's so vampire stuff can be so funny uh mom's got a date with a vampire oh, classic that one classic mm-hmm. yeah i just i don't know i love vampire stuff I, I can't even really think of a type of monster i was ever really scared of as a child Except I like, know which one you were scared of. What? The Grudge. Oh, that was creepy. Yeah, but I wasn't a child. I oh. was like a preteen. How old were you? I was seven. Yeah, I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. You were seven? Yeah, when I first saw it. It was before I moved to Ohio, so I was seven. How old was I then? Maybe 11? I'm not five years old. And my then. brother used to crawl up the stairs just to scare me What a because my room could see the stairs like how it was like a little bridge and he would make the grudge sound knowing I was yeah I was traumatized from the grudge for weeks after I watched it even still sometimes I'm like if the corner is too dark I like watch it I'm like are you gonna come out or like the way we have to the get into the attic at this house no thank you like you it. like you weren't safe anywhere in that movie. If you went under your covers, like she could fucking be under there. Terrifying. Even at the even at the end when she's like on his shoulders. Do you guys watch like they came out with another movie about like the origin? Hmm. No. Oh, Mm-mm. it was pretty creepy. The um, when I was little, I guess it was like the like stereotypical boogeyman. That's that that definitely scared me. Or um around the same time probably that you saw the grudge, we watched Darkness Falls. And I'm not kidding. I slept with a nightlight for years after that because I was so terrified. Just yeah. even the thought of it, like no thank you. Like just a creature in general that could come and waits for you to turn all the lights off because that's how they get you like that is very terrifying yeah and her whole thing was like if you screamed if you made any sound she would come and get you like like you know if you you'd have to look at her she didn't want you to see her i thought it was the screaming Mm -mm. it was if you if you looked at her then she had to kill you that's why you were when she comes to collect your teeth you're not supposed to look at her Look it up, because I'm pretty sure it's The Scream. I watched it, like, a couple years ago. It's not The Scream. That's why she's after that guy his whole life, because he gets into the bathroom where the light is until it's daylight. So she can't get him, but she he looked at her. I'm it was like, it the whole process of it was because <laughs> she didn't want to be seen because she was, like, so ugly from a fire. It doesn't say specifically. Well, rewatch it and you'll see. She got burned in the fire, remember? And her face was all disgusting and burnt up. So the legend was, you cannot look at her. She will kill you. And then he looked at her and he somehow got away into the hallway. His mom sacrificed herself, threw him in the bathroom with all the lights on. The tooth fairy took the mom and, like, killed her or whatever. Then the cops came in the morning and saved him, and then he stayed inside of light for the rest of his life until he went back to Darkness Falls. You know what I think I'm confusing it with? Dead silence, because you're not supposed to scream. Yes. That's where they'll rip your tongue out. Jesus. Yeah. Yuck. And they're like, they're, your whole mouth is all like, Ew! I had to look up pictures for the last episode we did where I talked about dead silence. The one that scared me the most and it's more popular in, like, the Spanish culture. His name is, I'm going to butcher it, El Cucuy. And he is said to, like, take little kids and eat them. And my family thought it was a great idea to tell me that if I didn't behave properly, he was going to come get me. So that was great. He lives in the mountains, too. He lives in the mountains? Yeah. Ew. So mean. (laughs) All of the monsters that are like that target children, that's just like 
be grow a up of nightmare fuel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think because most children are easily scared, so to tell them like a scary story, it's going to be surrounded around taking them. Yeah. Snatching them. Yeah. Eating them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's gross. I don't know. Again, I will say I'm way more scared of humans than I am of anything monster lore or paranormal. Except the grudge. I don't know. There's some like like a cryptid creature that's the unstoppable unstoppable. Unstoppable. <laughs> unstoppable. Skinwalker? Absolutely not. They haven't they're not gonna attack you. Let them eat you the damn cow. Know. You don't know. But they seem to run from humans. That's what I'm seeing. The research I saw. Not my thing. Not yeah. my job. Not my prob. But anyways, I like how you've taken off half of your blood. It honestly, from sitting like this, it was coming off. And But now it's just, you would understand if you covered yourself with fake blood. <laughs> yeah. It's like you've got like a, like a fox on your nose with like the tail coming up your nose. Cute. Yeah. Cute. But anyways. Oh, thank you, Twisted listeners, for tuning in. Yes, thank you so much. And if you were just lucky enough to catch this on YouTube, again, our YouTube is Three Twisted Sisters Podcast, then you got to see us in our beautiful monster lore makeup and Brittany's scary blood face. And if you didn't, thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to have you guys here. If you have any crazy monster lore stories, if you yourself have seen a skinwalker, if you love vampires or you just have a scary story you want to tell us we want to hear definitely either comment below on our youtube video follow us and send us a message on instagram or tiktok at underscore three twisted sisters or send us an email to three twisted sisters podcast at gmail.com we want to hear your stories so let us know yes and if you have a tale of you know some sort of a legend that an older sibling or your parents told you to try to, you know, keep you behaved. Let us know. We would love to hear your spooky tales. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It'd be so good. And uh, thank you guys for listening again. And we hope you have a wonderful weekend. You take care. And And stay stay twisted. twisted. Bye.